Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How's it going, everyone, and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman with Nick Durst. Here we are ready for another exciting Friday filled with all football information. You know, whether it's NFL or college football or looking at it combined for the NFL draft, we got all the content here on Destination Draft Day. It's a long road. Nick, how's it going for you? It's going well. Yes, all the content and for a look at the game of college football, or professional football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective. Go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to efficiency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your old device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. And Michael, we have some Friday Night Football tonight as the Big Ten finally gets underway. Yeah, and it's going to be very exciting. Wisconsin versus Illinois. While I know that Illinois and Wisconsin in the past years probably haven't matched up too great in terms of ranking. Illinois played them really well last season. And now you look at tonight where Illinois is in the process of rebuilding while Wisconsin's kind of in the process of retooling their lineup. It makes for a really nice matchup. And I think Illinois has now reached kind of their final stage for what this roster is going to be. Maybe not what their peak of the Lovey Smith era will be, but with guys like Brandon Peters and Josh Matterbibi and Daniel Matterbibi and now guys like Luke Ford and Daniel Barker. There are plenty of talented options on this offense. There are guys that are going to produce on this defense like in years past. It's now just seeing where this Illinois team can really be for this current roster and just where their peak is. Right, and I think with Lovey Smith, uh, this is really just showing you like that even if a guy's coming from the pros to college, it takes a long time to build the program. Uh, Lovey Smith has been with Illinois since 2016. The win-loss record, not good, 15-34. and 34, But as you mentioned, Michael, there are some, some talented guys there. Uh, and 
it, it really just comes down to recruiting and he really he had to really learn the recruiting game because he he never recruited he wasn't a college coach like he was a coaching a college assistant back at you know his you know, all mater university of tulsa in the 80s but whole different ball game he had to learn but as you mentioned michael there are some some really talented guys there that could potentially make an impact on sundays moving forward for sure and it's extremely exciting and there's some other games tonight as well uab's got a nice matchup coming up so if you're not doing too much just go turn on the games check it out there's going to be some fun college football tonight that's certainly no doubt about it and last night there was some fun Thursday night football, depending on what you are a fan of and what your team. So it was a big, big matchup with huge playoff implications between the one-win Eagles and the one-win Giants. The Giants, they had that game and literally slipped through Evan Ingram's hands as he cannot hold on to the ball. Uh, absolutely her- atrocious play calling by the Giants offensively. So there was four situations where there was a third and long. And all four times, they threw a two-yard pass to Engram, which did not get a first down. The first time that happened, off Engram's hands and into the def- defense's hands for another interception by Jones. That was Jones' eighth consecutive game with a turnover. Not exactly what you want to see there from the quarterback. And then later in the game, he, he had a fumble, but at that point, it really didn't matter. Uh, some questionable pa- uh, flags being thrown as well. Uh, to set up the game-winning drive for the Eagles where Sean Jackson caught the ball um, and he got tackled. Uh, but Deshaun Jackson was probably like a foot off the ground with his head down and we saw some helmet-to-helmet contact. But I think that's a really tough call because if you're on special teams and you're going to tackle a kick returner and you're going to lead with your shoulder, uh, then you end up getting helmet-to-helmet because their guys are so low. That, to me, is just a really, really tough call, and that kind of cost the Giants with some field position there. Uh, but how about this, Michael? Daniel Jones has 34 career turnovers, which is the most for an active quarterback in his first 20 games. That record was previously held by former Giants and Jet great Geno Smith, who had 32. So that's where Daniel Jones ranks as far as turnovers go for a quarterback to start his career. Not very good. Yeah, and there's for sure issues with Jones. I was never a big fan of him as a prospect, but in order to be fair to all QBs, I think it's important you acknowledge the situation, and the Giants' situation isn't doing him any favors. Sterling Shepard just got back from what has been a long trail of minor injuries that have kind of kept him out for a lot of games. So when you look at you know just the lack of all-around weapons that are surrounding him with Saquon being out, stuff like that. The offensive line hasn't played up to what you would really expect at this point because they've invested in the right. offensive line. I got to ask you about Andrew Thomas, Michael. Yeah, Andrew so Thomas has struggled like so far. I think he's going to be fine overall, but right now he's just not looked the part, and that's a big issue when you have the number four pick. You look at Will Hernandez, who has seemingly regressed year after year when his rookie year he seemed like he was going to be a huge get for this offensive line, and now – He's becoming a huge issue for the offensive line. You know, it's just overall, this line has kind of fallen apart. And whether it's invested in, whether it's drafted for, it just seems like there's some sort of Giants curse that just keeps offensive linemen from succeeding. You look at 
Flowers, who went off to Washington and succeeded and went off to Miami and is doing well. So I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Big Blues just got something going on in the water. Uh, what's interesting is they went five years and they won two Super Bowls where they have the same five starting offensive linemen, which is unheard of. Kareem McKenzie, Shona Harrod, David Deal, Rich Seibert, and Chris Snee. Uh, they went to two Super Bowls, and ever since then, it's been nothing but offensive line troubles. But I would say, like, at least two-thirds of the league always has offensive line troubles. It's just a tough position to to hit on in the draft. Uh, but it's 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 disappointing with Thomas because you see, like, with the Colts, Nelson comes in the league, he's the best lineman in the league in his first year. And Thomas is the first tackle off the board, so I was kind of expecting some more from him. I think other offensive linemen who were drafted after him have certainly outplayed him. Again, he is a rookie, so there was no training camp. There was no preseason, so you got to kind of wait and see. But I think this should finally be – it should have been last year. This should be the end of Dave Gettleman. I don't, he's, he's missed on every single draft pick uh, that he's taken, like, in the top ten uh, other than Barkley. Uh, but that's, you know, that's still kind of hit or miss because we don't know what's going to be with his, his injury, if they're going to be able to resign him. I wouldn't be surprised if they are not giving him the fifth-year option in this offseason, which I think is the stupidest thing in football, where to decide if you're going to pick up a player's fifth-year option, you got to decide before his fourth year. Makes no sense. Daniel Jones, of course, we got to talk about his 80-yard run, or it should have been 95-yard run, and he just falls. Just like the Giants win probability, it was right down there. Uh, but the Giants, if they won that game – they had a big game next Monday against the Buccaneers, and they could have been in the mix still for the NFC East. I think NFC East winner probably seven wins max, or maybe the Eagles get there with six wins because they have a tie and they're division champions. But just some brutal football out of the NFC East. And whatever team makes it into the playoffs is going to be absolutely walloped in the first round. Uh, but the Giants, they're 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 sticking strong with the Jets now. Maybe they maybe they move on and go for Trevor Lawrence. They want that number one pick because the destination is the draft day for the Jets season and the Giants season as well. Yeah, and you know, last night it kind of became this point where the Giants were winning, and you're saying, are the Giants now the favorite in the NFC East? And that just shows how bad this NFC East is because it's not like all these teams are just neck and neck at like. 500 and they're just kind of knocking each other out and we don't know who's the best team it's they're all bad and yeah they compete with each other but whenever they go outside of their division there's just not much success whatsoever and there's ways that these teams could potentially improve you know firing coaches has been pitched for teams like Dallas where people want to see Mike Nolan gone as the defensive coordinator seeing places like you know, for the Giants, some people maybe don't want Jason Garrett. I don't think we're going to see anything like that. But there is ways that things could be improved, whether it's just improved play by some of the weaker parts of these teams or getting guys back and healthy, maybe for the Eagles or Giants. Or What do you, you think know, about Joe Judge so far, Michael? I think Joe Judge hasn't really shown anything at the moment, but I don't think it's so bad that I would say, oh, we got to fire him or anything. He is in year one of a team that was well known to have a lot of issues. So while a season like this can be very disappointing, I don't think it's anything that Giants fans should really hold too strongly against judge at the moment. I think it's just one of those things where the team's not where it needs to be. And judge needs to be worried though, because if Gettling gets fired, I would think whatever GM comes in is going to say, I would like to pick my own coach. 
So yeah, and he probably only happen. gets one more year after this if Gettleman right. does get fired because it's kind of, you know, the GM is going to say, well, I'll see what we have in Judge because I think that's generally how the owner is going to go right. about it. He's going to say, at least give him another season, see yep. what he can do. And that always, and buys the GM, the G- that always buys GMs extra years too. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, the first year we'll go with your guy and then if that doesn't work out, you give me four more years and we'll, we'll get this thing turned around. But Gettleman hasn't turned the team around at all. Uh, he took over. And they've been nothing but bad and bad decision after bad decision from personnel for years. Look, uh, Eli Apple, that was another notoriously huge bust there. Uh, how about Baker? Uh, yeah, that was a good draft pick, right, Michael? This guy's uh, waiting to go to jail. So if you have your first and second round picks for multiple drafts, not in your team within two years, there's a huge, huge issue there. And it's not like he's finding like these great value guys other than Slayton in the deep rounds either. So uh, it's just it's just tough. Golden Tate looked like he was back in form, though. Uh, he, him and Shepard like, have only played, I think, one or two games together in the whole last two years. So that's not great for Jones. Jones, I really like his mobility, but I think he has really poor pocket presence. And he can't sense the pressure, or at least it's a plenty of turnovers. And whether it's Garrett or Shermer or McAdoo, whoever it is, they just <clears> love <throat> these stupid plays, third and long draws or third and long uh, slants or quick screens to Ingram or the running back. And it never, ever, ever works. I've never seen it work. I don't know why they continue to do that. I'm a big believer if you got to throw the ball to the chains to get a first down in third and long situation. Defense, I think for the most part, has been decent this year, but they constantly give up that big play that causes causes them to lose the game, and it's just it's just tough there. As far as the NFC East outlook goes, I guess I guess you have to go with the Eagles as the favorite right now. They have the best quarterback in the division with Carson Wentz. They have the best coach because Peterson's won a Super Bowl, although he's horrendous with these two-point conversions. I think they were 0 for 3 on Thursday Night Football. Just go for one and win the game easily sometimes. Uh, and off, they're on stuff. line. offensive line is banged up as well, but they have some good players at the skill positions, and I think they're the favorites just slightly. <laughs> it's not, I don't think they're going to have a winning record. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt about it. I think that the NFC East winner is under 500. Yeah, it's, it's not looking good for them, and we could talk about it all day. The Eagles aren't good. The Giants aren't good. The Cowboys aren't good. The Washington football team is not good. The NFC East as a whole is terrible. And it's, you know, I've seen people say it's something that will be talked about for decades, just how abysmal this division was. I, I don't know. I think the NFL would just do themselves some favors if they just, you know, once the season's over, just close the book, forget about it, push it to the side, and just let this NFC East just be forgotten in memory. <laughs> No doubt about it. All right, so enough enough for talking about the terrible NFC East. I think we should talk about some big games coming up this weekend in college football. Yeah, and we got the expert with us himself. Brian, welcome to the stream. How's it going? Michael, Nick, what's going on, guys? Not too much. Talking football as usual. Brian, we got some big games this weekend, and we want to get your input Let's get started right away. Iowa State versus Oklahoma State in what will be a huge matchup of the Big 12. Both of these teams, maybe not expectedly, but are now sitting atop the Big 12, and the winner of this is in prime position to take the conference. Brian, give us a little preview for it from your perspective. 
Yeah, so this is a great clash of styles, guys. Iowa State has a great defense, especially against the run. Oklahoma State wants to feature Tuba Hubbard. But look, this game is at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. So I'm rolling with the Cowboys. They're a three-point favorite. We know about their offense. And I do expect them to find the end zone a little bit. But its defense has also been good. I think better than people think. They're actually leading the nation. That's Oklahoma State, a Big 12 defense, is leading the nation wow. in third down stops so far. The spread is three, so I'm guessing odds makers see this as a, you know, as just a bit of a toss-up since Oklahoma State's at home, and I just don't think that line's big enough. So give me the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Cowboys. Uh, I think Michael and I discussed this. Are the best chance for the Big 12 to, to get somebody in the college football playoff this year. Uh, it just seems like Gundy has really put it together this year. And, uh, you know, Michael's going to talk about two of their players here as well. But uh, it, just, it just seems like this is this is the year for them to, to go ahead and win the Big 12 and perhaps get into a playoff discussion. Yeah, watching these games, it's one of those things where every time I turn on Iowa State, I feel like, I look at this stat line or I look at what's happened so far or I'm watching the game itself and it's like Brock Purdy just is off to a terrible start, you know, like eight for 19, zero touchdowns, one interception. I changed the game because it's like three to 17. And I'm like, okay, well, this one's kind of boring. Let me find another game. And then I turn it back on in Iowa State's in that barn burner of a matchup really close. Brock Purdy's thrown two touchdowns and it's like, 17 to 21 at the moment or something. And it's just, I don't know. Iowa state finds a way to fight back, but watching this Oklahoma state team, I think they just are too overpowered, too good of a squad to really give up that early ground that they'll probably get. So I'm definitely going with the Cowboys in this one for players to watch. It's a running back matchup for sure. Brees Hall of Iowa state and Chuba Hubbard of Oklahoma state. Both are going to be in for big days and will be having their teams rely on them heavily. I think Hubbard gets the best game today or game for the day, but both these guys are definitely going to be key pieces of their offense for wide receiver. Tylen Wallace, he will be in for another big day. He has been a big part of the offense with Oklahoma state having an injured quarterback in Spencer Sanders. They have had to rely on their past star players and Tylen Wallace has stepped up to the task with 325 yards on 19 catches so far this season. For the next game, we got Michigan versus Minnesota, the big, big 10 game of the week. Both of these teams, you know, kind of opposite ends of the spectrum from last season. You look at Minnesota, they didn't really have much in terms of expectations, and they shocked everyone. They really built up their case, and they got to become one of the best teams in the big 10 and one of the best teams in the nation whereas Michigan had all these expectations and sort of just fell off. Now, Minnesota has these established players, high expectations, and really they're going to be see they're going to see how high they can go. But whereas Michigan kind of has all these question marks surrounding the roster with so many guys that left for the pros, it's a lot of unknown on offense and it should be a very fun game, but we could very clearly see a dominant squad in this outing. Brian, who do you got in this game, and what are, what's the info on it? Yeah, well, what's really interesting is that in the beginning of, you know, a, a team season, you're definitely 
you know, just wondering what you're going to see. There's a lot more questions than answers. And then with Michigan, like you just explained, Michael, there's even more questions, you know. So when it comes to a game like this, uh, I uh, tend to side with the team who just answers more of my questions. And uh, in this case, you know, that's Minnesota. And, you know, Michigan is a three-point favorite at home, which is another another game where odds makers see it as a toss-up. But we went with the home team last time. This time I'm going with the road team. You know, I'm sure you'll talk more about it. But players like, you know, Tanner Morgan and, and Rashad Bateman are returning for the Gophers' offense. That gives me – a little bit more confidence and comfort than it does with Michigan starting a new quarterback in Joe Milton. Uh, Minnesota does have a new offense they're working in, but they've also got some experience in chemistry. So, you know, in a game like this to start the season, a lot of questions, you know, that experience in chemistry means a bit more to me. So, you know, give me the Gophers. They're going to win the little brown jug. My (laughs) anti-Michigan bias is shining through, but I said what I said. Yeah, I'm big on Minnesota in this game as well. Tanner Morgan coming in is a very good college quarterback. And then you look at just how many guys around this Minnesota roster are able to contribute. You look at Rashad Bateman. You look at Daniel Falele. You look at guys on the defensive side with their great cornerback play with Benjamin St. Jose and other guys as well. There's just so much on this Minnesota team that they keep building year after year. And it's what we see out of Fleck consistently. Minnesota in my opinion, is probably the biggest threat to take the Big Ten. If it's not Ohio State, let me just clear that up. Ohio State's one, but I think Minnesota is the best case to take it from Ohio State, if it's anyone. So I think Minnesota is going to show out in this game. I think they match up really well to kind of tame any of Michigan's strengths, which doesn't play well for Michigan's favor. And then you just look at – this is Joe Milton's first game at QB. So Minnesota – with an experienced defense for the most part, is going to have a much better opportunity to succeed as compared to an inexperienced Michigan offense. Yeah, I think you know last year Minnesota was letting the college football committee uh, for the playoff really sweat it out because they're like, oh, no, what do we do if Minnesota goes undefeated? Obviously, we ended up losing, but you know, <laughs> of course they want to get Ohio State in the big game. But Minnesota is a, is a program that's building – it's been built greatly over the past few years, and uh, they're trending very close to the top of the Big Ten. For sure. And for our last game preview of the week, Cincinnati versus SMU, a battle of the mid-majors per se. Both teams undefeated. Both teams looking to get a huge victory for their schedule. SMU sits at 5-0 and as the 16th team in the nation. Cincinnati, likely their toughest battle before they go off to play Navy, Temple, Tulsa, Houston, ECU. So this is a big chance for SMU to get their, you know, likely most difficult victory on the schedule, whereas Cincinnati now 3-0. and They have SMU now with some postponed games against Tulsa last week, and they play Memphis the next week. Definitely not a uh, easier schedule for sure, but Cincinnati is looking to get a huge win. Both these teams have a lot to believe in and a lot of firepower. Brian, who do you got in this game? Yeah, two undefeated teams and another clash of styles with that Cincinnati defense and SMU's offense led by Shane Bouchelle. Uh, I think Cincinnati will probably be a pretty popular uh, pick here. Uh, SMU's a small favorite, 
And as long as it's under three points, I'm going to roll with the Mustangs, even though I might lay off this one entirely. But if you got a pick and it's three points or less, I'm going to go with SMU. Whether or not the Bearcats can keep the Mustangs from, you know, ending drives with touchdowns will probably be the key. If SMU scores touchdowns, Cincinnati probably won't be able to keep up. Yeah, I think I'm rolling with the Mustangs firepower on offense. I like Cincinnati a lot. I think they offer the better defense. But I just think the SMU has consistently been able to score, and I don't think that stops this week. They are now really just focusing on this game. I know they have to win past this week, but I think with Shane Bouchelle leading the offense, they have a strong chance to come into this game, potentially get a victory, and then really set themselves up for a possible undefeated season, which will be hard to ignore in a season that is already as chaotic as it is Playoff committee likely won't put in a team outside of a Power 5 conference, but when you have the resume that SMU has with the offensive success that they've had, you got to you gotta really consider it. And for the players to watch, I think Desmond Ritter at QB is someone for Cincinnati that will be a key piece of this game. He has already put together a very strong season. When you look at it from a statistical standpoint, he has had 597 yards on the season with six touchdowns, but he's also had some turnover issues with four interceptions to this point through three games. For Shane Bouchelle, he has put together a strong season as well, leading this SMU offense to what has been an outstanding season to this point. Shane Bouchelle obviously is the star behind it with 1,710 yards through five games, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. I think that's where the key difference is, is just how strong Shane Bouchelle has played this season. Losing Reggie Robertson hurts, but I think this SMU offense is still going to get going. On the other side of things for the defense, I got James Wiggins as the last player to watch. I'm a big fan of his as a safety. Last year, or not last year, two years ago, he was out last year. He had a huge outing against SMU. I think when you play those teams that you've already had great success against, you kind of get a bit of confidence going, and I expect James Wiggins to build on that confidence with another great outing for this Saturday night game. Saturday night, big night, a lot of good games. Uh, Syracuse is taking on Clemson this week as well, which is usually been a good, uh, is usually a good game. Uh, and Big Ten's back. Of course, uh, there's, there's just going to be more and more football as we get closer to the Pac-12 returning. Uh, Brian, obviously these are some big games to look at here with, with college football, but it is bonus seekers. So why don't we do some bonus NFL stuff here? Uh, Bucks Raiders, really intriguing game here. I don't know if, if Vegas is going to take the game off the board because we have a really weird situation where the Oakland Raiders starting five offensive linemen have all been sent home with coronavirus positive tests. So maybe they end up not playing, which would leave – the Raiders are only four offensive linemen. Maybe they sign somebody. I don't know how that would work out or a tight end. Uh, but it doesn't seem like a recipe for success in what otherwise would have been a, probably a pretty good game as the Raiders with John Gruden are looking really good this season. Yeah, I mean, these they're coming off a bye, and they look um... – you know, and before the bye, they looked really, really good against Kansas City. That line actually opened around two, two and a half points for Tampa Bay. It's gone up to Tampa Bay minus four and a half. And part of that is just what you said, the uncertainty surrounding, you know, their lineup. There is still uh, a line available on that game. If people do 
want to take it, there is a chance that that could obviously get void later on if the game got postponed or the game got moved. But as it stands now, even with the way that the lines moved, I'd really jump on Tampa here. Um, you know, I like Tampa Bay. And then when you throw in kind of what the Raiders are dealing with this week and a little bit of that, you know, uncertainty, I would really uh, go with Tampa Bay to keep things rolling after what happened against Green Bay last week. But if John Gruden just needs a couple extra guys to collect a game check and just stand there on the sidelines, um, you know, I'm free. I, I, won't, I can't go in the game, but I'm free to just stand around if you no, need a couple no. extra guys. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that was the, that was the 8 o'clock game. That's moved to 425 now. Seahawks, Cardinals, Sunday Night Football. That should be a good one. Kyle Murray looked really electric this past Monday in victory over the Cowboys. I think he had nine completions, but he was running all over the place, two, three touchdowns. And then Monday night, Bears-Rams. That should be another good one as well. Uh, but what I found most intriguing here, Brian, is a whole week in advance, uh, the Jets-Chiefs line came out so early. Uh, there must have been some money going down on the on the Jets because originally it opened up with the Chiefs minus 22. Now it's only Chiefs minus 21. Leading any, are we feeling anything there? Or are you going to wait till it's closer to place your bet on that game? No, actually, I'm just about uh, at the point where if you are someone who is going to adopt a strategy, uh, and I wouldn't blame you, of just fade the Jets, we're going to bet against the Jets. I mean, not only are they 0-6, they haven't covered a single spread. Um, you know, I wouldn't, just on the face of it, recommend that anybody lays 21 points with an NFL team. Um, I do recall the Minnesota Vikings being 17-point favorites at home against the Buffalo Bills. I think the year they opened that first stadium, and the Bills might have beat them by double digits, uh, you know, straight up in that game and shocked a lot of people who decided to lay 17 points with the Vikings. So you never know, although my confidence in the Jets winning a game couldn't possibly be any lower. Um, in regards to the line, in all seriousness, where it opened, I probably wouldn't have taken Kansas City, but I actually saw it at 20 and a half. Wow. Uh, that would start to be the point where I go back on on Kansas City because it's uh, you're covered with the three touchdowns. I don't know if I would give 22 points or more than that. It's crazy because number. if Kansas City's up uh, 31 to 10, you know they don't need that extra field goal. They may huh. never kick it. They may may kneel out the game. And, and Donald's so good at getting that like fourth quarter touchdown, which means that yeah, the Chiefs don't play the Jets this week. It's right. not this week. It's two the weeks in advance. Yeah, right, gotcha. Yeah, All right. Right. I, was, I, was a I was like, Bills 13 and a half favorites coming off a loss versus the Jets. I think you got to roll up the Bills for this weekend. Oh, 100. percent I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. After after the Thursday night game where the Jets couldn't beat the Denver Broncos and their third string quarterback who had exactly one practice at playing with his NFL team, that was it. Don't bet on the Jets. Bet <laughs> against the Jets or don't touch the game. I would say um, Buffalo Bills, I'd feel amazing about bringing them down in a teaser. Minus six and a half. They only got to win by one touchdown. You just sit back and collect your money. Nick, you sent me a a text message last week that you liked the Dolphins minus eight and a half. Now, obviously that couldn't have been any easier, but I did that exact thing with the Dolphins. I put them in a teaser. They were about minus two points and there has never been anything easier <laughs> in the history of the world than the Dolphins needing to beat the Jets by a field goal. Poor Ryan Fitzpatrick though, All right. to, um, you know, play so well and then lose his job. Tough, 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 tough there, but I'm sure Michael might be getting two on his uh, rookies of the week. Uh, one of these Mondays, but we'll see. But tough, tough, tougher for Fitzpatrick. He's just 
Fitzmagic's out of luck, and this might be the end of the line for him as a starter in the NFL. Unless, of course, maybe he comes to the Jets to back up Trevor Lawrence. We'll see. Uh, but, Brian, why don't you let everybody know if they want to make some college football bets this weekend in different states or bet against the Jets for some easy money where they can go check out some action. Absolutely. If you are interested in signing up for a sports book and you're in a state such as New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Illinois, any of these places, you can bet on sports legally, but you need to know what sports book am I going to choose? What are they all about? Bonusseeker.com will tell you everything you need to know about sports books. You could sign up through us, get you the best bonus possible, get you ahead of the game right from the beginning. And I should remind people that we are about one week away from legal sports betting launching in the state of Tennessee. So if you live in any of those states around Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kentucky, I know you're interested in betting on college football. Take that road trip over the border to Tennessee. Sign up with a sports book. You can play online. And that's it. Win some money. I got to say, I think uh, Seahawks have a very close spread against the Cardinals. And I think if, if you're really looking for just free money, the Browns are only three-point favorites on the Bengals. Feels like an easy one right there. That's an interesting one. I, I really don't understand, um, you know, the Bengals uh, not being uh, bigger underdogs there. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether. Bet against Burrow, but, I mean, the team's just not there yet. You got you to gotta realize the Browns are just overpowered. I know they got kind of spanked by the Steelers, but I think that gives them more motivation more so than leads them to just falling off a cliff or anything. I'm going to say take the over in that game as well. We saw the Bengals play a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night a couple of weeks ago that scored, you know, almost 60 points. Uh, they can't stop anyone, but they run the ball really effectively and Cleveland actually struggles to stop the run. So that one could easily get up above 50 points a game. I'm interested in don't know which way to go is this Titan Steelers game. You know, the Steelers open up as small favorites and you think, uh, finally, this is the spot where the Titans are going to be overmatched and the Steelers have been playing really well. And then all of a sudden it's, it flips drastically. And now the Titans are the ones who are favored by two points. And you just have to sort of wonder uh, what's going on there. Are the Steelers going to be dealing with some injuries? So a lot of interesting lines uh, to look at this week, guys. For sure. Thank you as always, Brian. It is always a pleasure. Anytime you want to hop on, talk some football, we're always happy to have you. It's great to have you again this week, and we will see you next week. This is the best part of my Friday, boys. You have a good one. Hopefully next week we are uh, reminiscing about winners. No doubt about it. We're talking about the Jets' first win. Uh, No, not that. Not that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care. Thanks, Brian. All right, Michael. It's great to have Brian on. A lot of fun there. Uh, But there are – you know, we mentioned it in the beginning of that segment. The Big Ten's back, so – what are some of the marquee matchups you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, so we look at this Big Ten preview. First off, we got Illinois versus Wisconsin in what will be happening tonight. And I look at really just two key pieces of two units for these teams that should be a key piece of their success. And I look at Josh Amatavivi versus Eric Burrell. Both of these guys may not be lined up directly on each other, but Eric Burrell is going to be playing all around as a strong safety for this Wisconsin defense. Josh is going to be the star wide receiver for Illinois. If Burrell can lead the secondary, then Wisconsin is going to easily handle Illinois to really slow down this offense. But 
Illinois is in what should be the peak of their play for this roster. So look out for a very tight matchup. And I think we could see Illinois get a early lead that kind of leads them to playing it real close as this game comes closer down to the wire. The next matchup, one that may not be as hyped for the, uh, you know, tightness of the matchup, but more so just getting to see Ohio State. And we're looking at Nebraska putting in JoJo Doman, the safety convert who is now playing linebacker versus Trey Sermon, the running back from Oklahoma, now on Ohio State. You look at what Trey Sermon has been able to do in his past. He got 947 yards in 2018, decided to transfer after not getting many touches in 2019 and is now at Ohio State. JJ Doman, we see, or JoJo Doman, we see guys like this all the time in college football where they're a safety, but they don't really need expectations there. But instead of, you know, just sitting behind on the safety unit, they move around to linebacker and they show those instincts while also putting on weight to be an impressive linebacker. JoJo Doman now 6'1, 235 pounds. He's going to be a key piece of this Nebraska team. As a linebacker with coverage capabilities and run-stopping capabilities, he's going to be very crucial in slowing down Sermon, slowing down Fields, and just slowing down this Ohio State team as a full unit. And, you know, Nebraska is definitely the underdogs, but if they are going to potentially pull this game out, it comes down to Dolman and this Nebraska defense. In our next matchup, we got Rutgers versus Michigan State. Tyshawn Fogg is the linebacker to watch for Rutgers. He is great between the hash marks. He had 11 tackles in over five games last season. And then you look at Michigan State's offense. Elijah Collins is the star running back of this game. Michigan State has a lot of question marks surrounding this program with Mel Tucker coming in very late in the process. Rutgers has Greg Schiano, which a lot of fans are very hyped about. I know you're a bit of a uh, Schiano guy yourself bit of a Rutgers guy yourself. Yes, sir. What are the uh, expectations for this game coming out of the Scarlet Knight fan base? I think if they can lose by uh, less than two tu- less than two touchdowns, it's a pretty good re- direction there. Uh, I mean, Rutgers is, the last few years has been constantly losing by 40, 50, 60 points. So uh, I think if, you know, if they can get two, th- two wins this season, that's, a, that's a doubling their win total. It's a step in the right direction. And, you just got to give it time. Shadow did it once. He's going to do it again. This team will be a top 25 team within four years, five years. Uh, just, you know, give it time. Let, let, let Shadow recruit. He's going to get that talent in there. And all it takes, like you saw at Clemson, all it takes is one big pro prospect to come in, walk through the doors, go, go high in the draft, and you're set. And you're able to get whoever you need to get. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Rutgers will be any good this year. I, I think Michigan State will win this game. Yeah, there's a motto surrounding the Rutgers football program, and it is great teams win, legends cover. Rutgers is going to try their best to cover the spread. <laughs> I believe it's currently set at two scores for Michigan State. I'm not 100% positive on that. I can't find it at the moment. I think it was around 10 points. So – Rutgers is definitely not the favorite heading in here, but there is some reason to be hopeful for this team with Shiano coming in and some great pieces surrounding the entire unit, but they are young for sure. So it will be an interesting game to watch as both young squads try to take out each other. In the next matchup, 
one that should be very hyped is Penn State versus Indiana. For this game, I am looking at Tariq Castro-Fields, a leader in this young secondary, to match up against Watt Filer, who is a star wide receiver for Indiana. You look at Penn State, they have so many great weapons. And for Watt Filer, he may not be lining up against Tariq Castro-Fields. But really, it's just this Penn State secondary has to do a good job of slowing down this Indiana passing attack because a lot of people are sleeping on Indiana to start this season, but they are in for a big year. Michael Penix has put together some very good reason to believe that they will be able to have a strong season. Passing for, I believe, let me find it, sorry. (laughs) He passed for a really strong season. He put up 1,394 yards on 68 completion percentage only through 160 passes so he was really airing it out and this season he should be in for an even bigger year indiana has the offense to potentially surprise penn state this season with journey brown now being out for the season penn state has been stripped of a lot of their stars look for indiana to surprise some people with this game yeah no doubt about it uh indiana they could be sneaky this year but uh penn state they're one of the better teams in the country, and you know I, I'm I'm really all for the season. Like anybody but Ohio State, I'm just sick of it. I don't want to see them to even contend for a national championship this year. So whether it's Penn State, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Michigan State or Minnesota as the likely teams that can pull it off, that's who I'll be rooting for this year when it comes to taking down Ohio State in the Big Ten. I get that definitely. In the next matchup, we got Iowa versus Purdue. And in this game, the players to watch, Tyler Linderbaum versus Lorenzo Neal, a matchup of the interior. Linderbaum, one of the most talked about centers in the Big Ten, one of the most talked about interior offensive linemen in this upcoming draft. I haven't gotten to watch him too much, but what I have seen, he has shown definitely some great skill. Lorenzo Neal, the defensive tackle, Nose tackle, really comparative for his size. This is going to be a huge matchup for both these guys' draft stock. And I think I got Iowa in this one. I think Purdue has a lot of great pieces around their team, but I think Iowa has just kind of this established program that should be able to continue their success and take control of this game early. That'll give them a you know conservative but slow game plan that'll let them drain this clock and really come out of this game victorious. Keep an eye Linderbaum to the Giants at the top of the draft, although it's very rare for a center to go so high in the draft. I'm not really sure why, though, because it's such an important position. Uh, but could be could be a big fit with the, with the New York Giants and many teams. Yeah, day one, day two guy, Linderbaum could potentially rise up to that area and be a great pick for whoever is able to land him. In the next matchup, we got Maryland versus Northwestern. And in this game, it's Ja'Shawn Jones versus Patty Fisher. Again, This isn't some matchup that's going to be directly lined up on each other. Patty Fisher, kind of this bulky run-stopping linebacker, whereas Deshaun Jones is kind of this gadget receiver. However, because he's a gadget receiver, we're going to see a lot of jet sweep type plays. We're going to see a lot of over-the-middle type plays, and it is going to be big for Patty Fisher to show off his coverage capabilities and his range. So in stopping Deshaun Jones, he could have a huge bump for his stock. Deshaun Jones looks to be 
the next good Maryland wide receiver. He had a very strong true freshman season, then sadly missed last year. In this season, he is going to be looking to prove himself and have a big game, and that starts here against Northwestern. Obviously, the coaching has to be talked about as well. You got Mike Loxley for Maryland, and then you got Coach – oh, I forgot his name – Well, while you're looking up his name Pat, here, I, sorry, I, all right. Pat Gerald is a great coach. I completely blanked on his name. I knew it was Pat something, but uh, Pat I mean, Fitzgerald. You're, you're, is there a lot? Of, is there a lot of Northwestern fans in your area where you live? No, there's not actually. I had some friends that went to Northwestern, and they always hype up them, but they aren't really big football fans, so they're just kind of saying it as a alum pride sort of. Whereas uh, down here, a lot of people are rooting for you know Notre Dame. Right, like Missouri, Illinois, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, what I'll say about this game is obviously Maryland with the big guessing game, who's going to be quarterback. Uh, a lot of people want to see Talia, Tiger Viola. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his first name. I apologize, but also known as to his brother. What I mean, he hasn't really played much. He transferred over from Alabama, but what do you think his pro stock? lies at this point this is his early career in college football michael yeah talia has got some uh promise i think we've seen some capabilities out of him whenever he would get some snaps at alabama but really you look at he he never really played against a great squad he played against western carolina he played against arkansas and he had some good snaps but even then last year's arkansas team was not very good so it really just comes down to we don't know and, you know, that's a boring answer, and we want to have these definitive answers. But at the moment, we don't really know what's going to happen with Talia. I think he is not eligible till next year, so he's got some time to grow. But with Josh Jackson opting out, he has a great chance at really taking over the starting spot. So we'll see what happens. I am definitely rooting for the guy, but we'll see. In the next matchup, we got Michigan versus Minnesota, and the big matchup in this game is going to be Quiddy Pay versus Daniel Flele. I think Minnesota matches up really well in lowering what Michigan is great at. And how the, how I mean that is guys like Flele are going to take out these big, bulky defensive ends from Michigan because Flele is 6'9", 400 pounds, but moves very well for his size. He has great strength. He can overwhelm anyone. So these power rushers like Pay, like Hutchinson, aren't going to have as much success when working against Minnesota's offensive line. So in this game, both of these guys are highly touted, but kind of wanting to see what can happen. Pay had six and a half sacks last year. People want to see him continue to grow on that number, continue to grow his stock. And Flele, you know, the size is always enticing. He has some decent film, but people want to see some more movement ability. Maybe have him slim down about 20 pounds. So he's only 380, you know, becomes this tiny offensive tackle at 380 pounds, <laughs> obviously. But, you know, it's just big for both these guys to stand out whenever they're going against NFL-level competition. And season opener, they're going to have it. So big game all around, big week for the Big Ten as they come back to college football. But these are the marquee matchups to watch and it should be an exciting week of football. Nick, 
How are you feeling for the Big Ten this year? Obviously, you mentioned it. You don't want Ohio State to do well. You've talked about Wisconsin in the past. You talked about Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State on the show. Are are there any teams that you think could potentially surprise? I mean, I, to me, they wouldn't surprise me, but I think to, to nationally, I think Minnesota is the one that, that surprises. Uh, they are they are good. They are on that level. And would it surprise me if Minnesota goes undefeated this season? No. So I think they're the team to to keep an eye on. Uh, and if, if they beat Ohio State, then rightfully so. They're going to be there in the college football playoff. Uh, I'm sure – all the people and television networks or whatnot want Ohio State and the title in the, the college football playoff. But what I've learned over the past few years is, for the most part, the Big Ten teams can't hang with the ACC and the SEC when it comes to the college football playoff. Uh, they can, though, in other bowl games. So I think that the top of the SEC and ACC is better than the Big Ten, but I think overall the Big Ten is better than those two conferences when you go from top to bottom. And we see that in plenty of bowl games. Uh, and as of now, I think there's only been four bowl games canceled. My guess is a lot more bowl games got canceled. Uh, but that's just my thoughts on on the Big Ten and then their football right now. Uh, and, of course, when it comes to the NFL, we got the, trading, the trade deadline coming up real soon. Uh, got to see who's in the trade block. And some rumors are – the Jets, they'll trade anybody, but who would want anybody from the Jets? Uh, and J.J. Watt, maybe somebody the Texans consider trading. And I think the other guy which should that should be on the trade block, and we'll see if he gets moved, that would be Evan Ingram from the New York Giants, who we discussed at the top of the show. Yeah, and I think there's many pieces all around. It sounds like Brandon Cooks is one that's going to be very rumored about. And then there's guys, you know, Golden Tate, I don't think is tied down in the Giants organization People like that all around these teams that maybe haven't succeeded to their current expectation. You look at teams like the Packers, where they have Devontae Adams, but they probably want to bring in one more guy that can really contribute to this offense. You look at teams like the Dallas Cowboys, where if they can get a member of the secondary to really help things out, they could probably become the NFC East favorites again. This defense is the biggest thing that holds them back. And you look at other teams such as, you know, the New England Patriots, where they've just dealt with so many injuries all around the roster, they may want to get, you know, someone who's kind of viewed as a death guy, but that can step in and really help out with this team. So there's all pieces very much that could move around. Each team is different in terms of what they may want to acquire. There's talks that the Cowboys are rumored to be interested in trying to get Sam Darnold or Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if they really make the move in that regard, but I think it's just very interesting to see how many of these teams right. are actually going to t make moves. I think it's important that if you're expecting some massive trade deadline to kind of simmer your expectations, this happens every year. Yeah, Every year we've been hearing, oh, AJ Green's getting that moved. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, the, the big storyline to really follow here is, will Antonio Brown be signed? I think that's the big thing to keep an eye on. And the other thing was I saw there's some rumors that the Ravens might try to sign Des Bryant to their practice squad. So that's kind of, you know, more of what you got to keep an eye on there. Of course, Brown is eligible to come back after week eight. But if you're a team like the Seahawks, I mean, you're undefeated. You really want to bring that into the locker room with the off the field stuff. I'm not sure. You kind of want to have some 
some feel good stories in there and, and guys who are not really going to impact the chemistry too much. And uh, a, a story that I saw over the weekend that I wanted to ask you about is I saw uh, that you, UCF Knights quarterback who had that gruesome injury, Mackenzie Milton, uh, he's been he's back. He's running the scout team offense in practice. Uh, I don't think he's dressing this year. I, he talked to Alex Smith, uh, but you know I wanted to know like where where did you have this dual threat quarterback prior to the injury? As far as you know, being potentially able to get drafted, uh, another Hawaii born quarterback. Some would say he was on par with Tua. Uh, we'll see. And now you know what are the chances he could you know get some reps probably next year and potentially still be drafted because remember he led them to that undefeated season, the uncrowned national champions. And it's not often you see a, a mid-major uh, college football quarterback, you know, rise up the draft ranks. We've seen it with division two guys like Wentz, but uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. A non-power five team quarterback. Yeah. And he had been rumored to be around a round three quarterback for whenever his time would come, probably, would have ended up falling a little bit further around four, around five type guy. But, you know, the injury is very sad, and you hate to see a guy lose what was college football stardom for him. And I don't think his future is going to be with UCF. I think right now they have their guy in Dylan Gabriel. So he will be a hot name on the market next year. You look at some of these teams that maybe are just a QB away, might look into a guy like Mackenzie Milton. And someone that kind of – stands out to me is maybe a place like Minnesota where they have Tanner Morgan, who is likely going to be done after the season. And you could potentially bring in a Mackenzie Milton. And if he's performing well, you could have your QB going forward and he's your guy next year. Or, you know, there's places like Texas where they're losing Ellinger and they have young guys. All these schools have young guys that could potentially step in, but it's not ridiculous to say, Hey, Let's wait a bit on this young, true freshman who's now going to be a redshirt freshman, and let's start Mackenzie Milton for a season. So I think he's going to find himself at a new school, but I think the upside is there to where these new schools are going to be Power 5 schools that really have kind of entertained the idea of, hey, if he's healthy, he could be a stud for us. No doubt about it. Graduate transfer, be eligible to play right away. And, you know, people want those, those super seniors on, on the team sometimes to, to kind of steer the charge, especially if you're in one of those big schools, like you mentioned, that Texas that has been struggling as of late. Uh, maybe they don't want to turn it over right away to an incoming freshman. But a lot of good stuff we discussed today and full weekend of football, which, which starts here tonight, Friday night football, under the lights, the Big Ten and some other games getting underway. Full slate of Big Ten and all college football games tomorrow. And, of course, you got Sunday football with the NFL. And we'll be back on Monday. Everyone's really anticipating to see Rockman's Rookies of the Week. We'll have that for you. No tour this week. He won't be He won't be on the list. But uh, Herbert Herbert's impressing right now, the quarterback session. I think at this point he's the guy to beat for Rookie of the Year. But, well, we have plenty of season left. But that's going to do it for, for Destination Draft Day. For Michael Rockman, our draft guru here, I'm Nick Durst, and thank you for watching right here at LandryFootball.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.